All right, well, good morning. Good to see you guys this morning. Uh, back, like Ryan mentioned earlier, we have uh, faced a lot of different things over the last year, and uh, this last uh, week, a couple weeks, was, was really no different than that. So, uh, But we're back in the building. Uh, things look a little bit a little bit different if you received my email or saw our posts on social media, but uh, hopefully we'll have things renovated and restored in a timely manner. And we'll keep you updated as to how that's going as, as we get updates ourselves. So this morning we are in the book of Galatians and we are continuing our series, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And this morning we are looking at Galatians chapter 1 verses 9 through chapter 2 verse 14. And we're answering the question this morning, what is the antidote to people pleasing? What is the antidote to people pleasing? And Galatians and, and particularly Paul is really dealing with the gospel um, in, in particular as we walk through the book of Galatians. And we talked a lot about the gospel last week. And we're going to begin to see how does the gospel work itself out in different aspects of our life, in our community, in our society. And this is one of those ways. What is the antidote to people pleasing? So hopefully you found your place. Galatians chapter 1, I'm going to read the text just so we're all oriented. And then I'll pray and we'll, we'll dive in. So beginning in verse 9 of chapter 1. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. But I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my father. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me, in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. I am in what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown to, in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God because of me. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of revelation and set before them, though, privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was Greek. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that they might bring us into slavery 
To them we did not yield in submission even to, even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And from those who seem to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, though we should go to the Gentiles, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. The rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together as a church, both here and, and virtually, Lord God. We thank you for your word, for the opportunity to open it this morning, to learn how we can be Christ-pleasers instead of people-pleasers, Lord. We ask, God, that you might be with us as we walk through this text, as we apply this text to our lives, Lord. Help us to do that as we are here today, as we leave from this place today as well, that we might apply what we learn here this morning. God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I know that it's not close to Thanksgiving, but, but after, after Thanksgiving, everyone, you know, they typically get excited about all of those Black Friday sales that come out, right? I know some of you are, are probably out there early taking advantage of those, of those sales, fighting the crowd to get the deal on that, that great TV or whatever it is that it is you have your eye on right now. You're, you're waiting, you're planning for Black Friday to come around. Now, personally, I'm not one of those people that are out there, right? I, I, I hate crowds. I, I don't like getting up early and rushing out of my house, nor do I want to fight somebody for, you know, the, the popular toy that year, right? I would just might as well give my kids some other toy, um, you know, because they're only going to play with it for a few minutes and then they're going to forget about it, right? Now, Black Friday is not my cup of tea, but I do like a deal. I'm always in search of, of a deal, which means when, when Black Friday time comes around, I, I'm typically more interested in Cyber Monday rather than Black Friday. And as we all know, this last year, everything was like Cyber Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday. So it doesn't really matter probably moving forward. But, but Cyber Monday is the thing that I look forward to, right? I mean, I can look at the deals on the comfort, from the comfort of my couch while I'm sipping coffee in my pajamas. Uh, I don't have to worry about fighting anybody or anything like that. I can log on and I can buy that thing that I want for a better price. And so that's typically what I look forward to. Now, there's nothing wrong with, with, with deals by, by any means, right? I'm always in search of a deal, but you, you have to, to wonder, why is it 
that we get excited about these deals? Why are we willing to get up early? Why are we willing to, to fight the crowds? Why are we willing to log on at just the right time and, and load our cart up with that product that we've been eyeing at just the right time and have everything ready? Why are we willing to do that? Well, besides the fact that we want to save money, because who doesn't want to save money, right? I believe we get excited about these deals because we are seekers. And the seeker is someone who is attempting to find or obtain something. Now, that might be a deal. That might be the latest news or, or information, right? I mean, this is probably why we, we spend hours just endlessly scrolling through, through Facebook, right? We are seeking out information. We are, we are seeking to know what's going on in people's lives. And we want to know that real time because we want to be in the know. It's also why we do those crazy challenges that show up on apps like TikTok or, or while we obsess over our Instagram feed to make sure it has just the right look and just the right feel. We are seekers who not only seek out deals, the latest news and information, but also we seek out the approval of others. And seeking out the approval of man is not something that we should allow to drive our lives. But if we're all honest, we are all guilty of it from time to time. Now, so we understand just where we're coming from with this idea of, of people pleasers or seeking the approval of man. Let, let's get some definitions out on the table. That phrase, the approval of man, I mean, it can refer to, to a number of things, right? And so well, what, do, what do I mean by that? Well, some of you may know that, that I have a, a small photography business on the side. It's, it's very small. It's very sporadic, but, but I, I've kind of kept this this business going here and there. And in order for that business to be successful or anybody just to, to want to hire me, right, I've, people have to approve of my work, which means that I got to take pictures, I got to post pictures, I got I to put stuff out there that, that people approve of. If they don't approve of that, well, they're not going to ask me to take their pictures for them. They're not going to pay me to take their, their pictures for them. And so when I talk about seeking the approval of man or, or pleasing man, I, I don't mean for us to just completely disregard the approval of or opinion of other people, right? If we did that, we, we would be out of business. If we did that, we would not have a job, right? If you didn't seek to, uh, you know, the approval of your boss or to please your boss in some form, fashion or another, then you'd probably get fired. If, if you own a business and, and you are always right and the customer is always wrong, well, you're probably not going to have that business for very long, right? I mean, there's, there's a certain amount of approval that we do have to seek from other people in order just to do business, in order to keep our jobs. And so I'm not suggesting that, that we just completely disregard the approval of other people completely. Instead, what I'm suggesting is that we don't find our ultimate value or our ultimate worth in another's opinion of us. Tim Keller, pastor and author, he puts it this way. It seeking the approval of man is a situation in which your desire for their blessing amounts to adoration and worship and in which you give some form of human approval the rights and power over your heart that only God should have. It means you will be devastated by the loss of this approval as if you felt criticized or condemned by God. And so when I talk about seeking the approval, man, that's what I'm talking about. It's, it's elevating the approval of other people to this unhealthy place. 
It is, it, is, it is allowing them to dictate our life. It's allowing them to determine our value and to determine our worth, right? And that is not healthy. That is not right. That's not a good place for us to be in, right? God is the only person who, sh- who we should ultimately seek to, ple- to please. He is the only person who should be dictating our life. He's the only person whom we should look to for value, right? We shouldn't look to other people for value and worth in our life. We certainly shouldn't look to people liking our posts on Facebook or the videos that we make for TikTok or, you know, our Instagram feeds or anything like that, right? I mean, we should not look and gain value from how many likes we've got or how many likes we haven't gotten or whatever it might be that those platforms call that, right? We should not look to get value from that, but only from God. He is the only one who should dictate our life. He's the only one from whom we should gain our value and our worth. But resting in and living according to that truth is is really easier said than done, right? As as I know, at least least I know it is for me at times, and I'm sure that if we're all honest, there are times in our life that we are seeking to to please other people. There are times in our life where where we are people pleasers, and we get kind of caught up in this this game and this idea of, and I've got to please these people because, because they are the ones who, who are valuable to me. Their opinion is valuable to me. And so how do, we, how do we guard against that? Because obviously we're not supposed to do that. And so how do we guard against that? What is the antidote to people pleasing? Well, I believe it's twofold antidote, or at least that's what we're going to look at this morning. It, it first comes in the example of those who are not people pleasers. And then it comes second in the reason why we shouldn't be people pleasers. First, the example of those who aren't people pleasers. And Paul, he's the one who wrote the letter to the Galatians, I mean to the Galatians, uh, mixing Galatians and Colossians there, to, to the Galatians. And if, you, if you're tracking as we read through that, you would notice that Paul is, is really not a people pleaser. Uh, Paul is somebody who is seeking to be a Christ pleaser. And so Paul is a great example for us. And he says this really in, in verse 10. For I, am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And then as you kind of walk through the rest of, of what we read here this morning all the way over to, to 2, 214, you see that this is the example that Paul is providing of how he's not a people pleaser and how he is a Christ pleaser. And so let's look at, let's look at that, right? I mean, Paul's dealing with some accusations that are leveled against him, and he wants people to know, I am not a people pleaser. Instead, I am a Christ pleaser. And so how does he, how does he do that? First, we learn that, that Paul is, uh, Paul denounces the false teachers who are preaching a different gospel. Paul denounces the false teachers who are preaching a different gospel. And we see this back in verse, verse 9. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to one you received, let him be accursed. Now, now conflict, taking a stand, as Paul has done here, is, is never an easy thing. While Paul is often thought of as this kind of like bold, burly guy for Christ, right? He's willing to face anything. That doesn't mean that, that speaking out against the false teachers was easy for Paul, right? It's much easier just to go along with, with the flow. 
But Paul, as we see here, he's not a he's not a people pleaser. Paul's a Christ pleaser. And so because he's a Christ pleaser, he doesn't go with the flow. Instead, he goes against the flow and he is willing to speak out against the false teachers and the false prophets. He's done it in the past and he's doing it here again. Now, along with denouncing the false teachers, we also learn that Paul faithfully and accurately preached the gospel. Look at verses 11 and 12. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. And now, why does it matter that, that Paul's gospel is from Christ and not man, especially when it comes to him preaching the gospel? Well, well Paul is a messenger. And as a messenger, you go and you deliver the message of the person who has sent you. Christ is the one who has sent Paul. And so it's Paul's job then to go and deliver the message that Christ has given him. And so he received this message and, and he wants to make very clear that he didn't receive this message from any man. Paul received this message by a revelation from Christ. Christ came to him himself and he gave him the gospel message that he wanted him to go out and preach. And throughout the years, Paul has remained faithful to preaching this particular gospel message that he has gotten from Christ. He hasn't deviated from that message. Even when he's faced conflict, even when people have come against him, even when he has been beaten, Paul has not deviated from that message at all. He has continued to faithfully preach the gospel as a faithful messenger of Christ. And he does that because he is a Christ pleaser rather than a people pleaser. And next we learn that, that Paul gave up advancement in Judaism to follow and to preach Christ. Look at verses 13 and 14. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. And see, Paul, he was... He was good at his job. He's saying, look, guys, I, I was better than all of my peers. Everybody else that was around me, man, I was like head and shoulders better than them. I was advancing like crazy beyond any, anything you have ever seen. I was advancing in my career. I was off to a life of, uh, of ease and riches and respect and status and position. That was me. But I gave it all up for Christ. I gave it all up so that I might be someone who is out there laboring day after day after day preaching Christ. And he didn't do it for comfort. He didn't do it for fame. He didn't do it, do it for money, right? Living as a Christian, preaching the gospel was not something that was easy for Paul to do at all. It certainly wasn't lucrative. It wasn't comfortable. And it led to this, this life of, of him living, a, living in all these difficulties, right? You read through the book of Acts. You, you read about Paul's missionary journeys. You see that Paul was jailed. He was beaten. He suffered cold and sleepless nights and had to worry about robbers as he traveled from city to city to city on these missionary journeys. Living as an apostle, someone who was sent by Jesus, who was Jesus' messenger, was not something that was easy for Paul to do. But Paul was not a people pleaser, right? Paul was a Christ pleaser. And he proved that by walking away from his former life in Judaism and walking towards Christ and not looking back and saying, this is what matters in life. Christ's approval and to faithfully preach the gospel that he has given me. 
Next, we see that Paul's ministry remained free from outside influence. Paul, we, we read about this timeline here. For three years, he didn't consult with any of the apostles concerning the gospel he preached. And when he finally went to Jerusalem, he only saw Peter. And then for another 14 years, he preached the gospel he was given by Christ before going to Jerusalem again. And this time he tells us that, that he went because of a revelation. And he, and he lays this out to the church there. I wanted to know, did, did the Gentiles have to live in, as Jews in order to be true Christians? And so we pick up in verse 2 of chapter 2. I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I preached or I proclaimed among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. Now, when the text says that he wants to make sure that he wasn't running in vain, this doesn't mean that, that he wanted to make sure that the gospel that he was preaching was was correct. I mean, Paul has already told us that the gospel that he has is not man's gospel. The gospel that he has is the gospel that he has received straight from Jesus Christ. And so he knows that the gospel that he has been preaching is the true gospel. It is the right gospel. Rather, he wants to make sure he hasn't run in vain in the sense that is this other influential church, the Jerusalem church, which is a massive church, which has a stronghold, because this is where Christianity begins and where Christianity kind of pushes out from, is this church preaching the same gospel as Paul is preaching? If this church is not preaching the same gospel that, that Paul is preaching, it doesn't mean that Paul is going to change his gospel message. He's going to remain faithful to the gospel that he received from Christ. It does mean that things are going to be much more difficult for him because this church who has all of this influence can come behind Paul or they can go in front of Paul and they can begin to, to tell people that what this man is preaching is not the right gospel. You shouldn't believe that. And so he wants to make sure, have I, have I been running in vain here? And he finds that, that he has not been running in vain, right? The, the, the gospel that, that he preaches is the same gospel that, that the Jerusalem church is preaching. It's the same, they're on the same page with one another. And so they are, they are backing one another up instead of opposing one another. And so he finds that there is unity there. And there's unity also in the fact that they condemn the false teacher's message. Paul goes to Jerusalem and he learns that, that no, the Gentiles do not have to be circumcised in order for them to be Christians. And he is approved of his ministry to go back to the Gentiles to let them, to let them know that and to continue in that route. And they will then go to the, the circumcised and they will continue in their ministry. But they're not going to be telling the people who are the circumcised, hey, if you meet any Gentiles, you have to, they have to get circumcised in order to come into the church. And Paul doesn't have to go and relay that to the Gentiles either. You see, his, his message, his ministry, what he's trying to, to, to tell us here is has always been without outside influence. He got it straight from Christ. And he was not influenced by any other man to preach a different gospel. It has always remained faithful to what Christ has given him. Amen. Lastly, we learn that Paul confronted Peter regarding his sin. So look at verse 11 of chapter 2. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing this circumcision party. 
the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with them, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Jew and not like, like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? See, if you know anything about Peter, you know that, that he was one of the leading apostles in the Jerusalem church. But Paul did not let this man slide just because he had this position. Instead, he pressed the truth of the gospel into Peter when he saw that he was acting contrary to the gospel. In all this, then, we see that, that Paul is, is seeking to be a Christ pleaser. He's not seeking to be a people pleaser. He gives us example after example after example, and it coincides here with, with Paul opposing Peter, one of the leaders of the Jerusalem church. If anyone was going was to get, get a pass, it might have been Peter. But that is not the case with Paul because Paul is not worried about what other people think about him. He is out to please Christ and to please Christ alone. And he's doing that by faithfully and continually preaching the gospel year after year after year in, in any different situation that he finds himself. And Paul was a Christ pleaser, not a people pleaser. But Paul's words and actions, they, they testify to that. And just as was Paul's goal to be a Christ pleaser, it should be our goal as well. You see, knowing others have, have sought to and are seeking to please Christ should help us to do the same. We are not alone on our journey to live for Christ. Nor is this just a 21st century activity. From the very beginning, Christ followers have been seeking to please Christ instead of pleasing people. And as self-professed Christ followers, we should do the same. We should be Christ-pleasers and not people-pleasers. And one way that we can fight the tendency to be a people-pleaser is to exist in community with other Christ-pleasers. Right? Not only do we need the example of others in history like we have here with Paul, who faithfully did this no matter what the consequences were in his life, but we need the example of other Christians in whom we're in community with. Right, we, we need to be able to look across the aisle. We need to be able to look across the small group or Sunday school class that, that we find ourselves in. And we need to see other people who are faithfully, no matter what situation they find themselves in, seeking to please Christ rather than seeking to please people. And in order for us to do that, we have to be in community with other people. Which is why it's, in, it's important that we not only attend church, but that we, that we join a church, that we specifically say to that community of people, hey, I want to be in community with you. And I'm going to show you, and I'm going to affirm that I want to be in community with you by joining the church that you are a part of. And then taking it a step further and saying, and not only do I want to be a member of that church and join in community with you guys, and I want you to help me to, to live my life for Christ, but we should take it a step further and also be involved in that community with other people by being involved in a, in a small group or a, or a Bible study or, or some sort of you know, men or women study with other people. Right? We've got to develop and foster this community 
with other people. In order to do that, we've got to actually gather together with other people. And I know that's difficult now with, with COVID and all the stuff that we're facing, but, but I mean, we're getting around that, right? I mean, we're wearing masks, we're, we're doing social distancing, we're doing all kind of different innovative, different ways in which we can still gather together and be in community with one another, even though I know it's not the same. But hopefully we will get past that and we can gather in a way that, that we should be able to gather uh, here in the, the near future. Either way, right, we have to make it a point to be in community with other people. And that community doesn't just happen, right? It's something that we actually have to, to put some effort into. We've got to say, I want to be in community with these people. and I've got to make effort in order to do that. But we need that community because we need the example of other people. Not, not other people who are people pleasers, but other people who are Christ pleasers. We need the example of of others, just like we need the example of Paul here. Now, maybe you're still on the fence and, and you're thinking, well, well, why shouldn't I be a people pleaser? I know I, I've got the example of Paul. Uh, you might be in community here at the church and, and you've got the example of, of other people who are seeking to please Christ. But, but you're thinking, you know, I could lose my job. Um, I, I could lose my livelihood. I could lose my my status, I, I could get canceled by the culture around me if I seek to be a Christ pleaser rather than a people pleaser. And so why should I do that? Well, if the example is not enough, let me give you some reasons why we shouldn't be a people pleaser. First, seeking the approval of man is a never-ending cycle. You all know that trends, opinions, and ideas change, and they change they change often. What, what pleases someone one day or, or one year is, is not going to please someone the next year, right? You might, you might have heard about all this cancel culture that's going on, and you see these people who at one point were on the right side of, of history. But one of the things that, that, that I've, I've followed lately is in San Francisco, they're beginning to take the names of people off of these schools, and most of the time they're reaching way back into history. But but they're reaching even now into contemporary. Diane Feinstein has a name on, on a school, but not for long, right? And she's still alive. She's still actively working now. You see, what, what pleased someone one day that they would, they would put her name on a school before she even was dead. Now they're taking her name off before she is even dead and finished working. You see, we are always having to seek the approval of people and that approval is always changing. You get trapped in this never-ending cycle of having to figure out what is going to please someone one day and what's going to please someone the next day so that we might be worthy of their praise and attention and affection. And that never-ending cycle is just this grind that is going to beat you down. It's not worth it. It is not worth it. You're going to end up broken and depressed. And you look at celebrities. I mean, they have it all. They've got fame. They've got money. But, but many of these people are, are depressed. They are abusing drugs and, and alcohol and, and even at times committing suicide. The constant pressure of having to maintain a certain status is just, it's just too much. It's too much for anyone, whether it's at a large scale or whether it's at at a small scale, whether it's as a, a celebrity in Hollywood or whether it's just 
you with your TikTok or Instagram or Snapchat or Facebook or whatever it might be, right? Trying to maintain a certain status and a certain image is going to be a grind and it's going to beat you down. Next, seeking the approval of man means we're constantly going to have to change our message. Times change. Cultures change. And along with those things, what man approves of changes. And if our goal is to win man's approval, our message is going to have to change along with it, right? This is the liberal church is a good example of this. We see that, that the message that has changed over the years, and it's, and it's constantly in flux. It's constantly changing. What, what they're championing one year or in one decade, they're, they're completely repudiating that and saying, no, we, we can't believe we ever said that. Now we're over here. But that's not what we're supposed to do as Christians. That's, that's not what Christ has called us to. He has called us to faithfully and consistently preach the gospel message. The gospel message that is unchanging, the one that is here in the text, right? We must consistently preach the gospel message. Paul makes this clear back when we talked about this last week in verse, in verse 8, in verse 9. He says, As we said before, so now I say again, if anyone is to preach to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. You see, we are not to change the message. It is to remain the same. And the only way that we're going to be people who are faithful to doing that is if we are not constantly seeking the approval of man. Because if we're constantly seeking the approval of man, our message is going to have to change because their approval of us is going to change if we don't change our message. But we must be faithful. We must be faithful. Lastly, we see that Seeking the approval of man means we aren't living in the freedom Jesus provides. You see, in Christ, we are freed from having to continually seek the approval of man. And that's because with God, we have the only approval that matters. And with being in Christ, excuse me, being in Christ, we have the only approval that matters, right? We have the Father's approval because Christ has, has died for us. Christ has gone to the cross for us. Christ has shed His blood for us. And those who believe in Christ as their Lord and as their Savior, those who repent of their sins and turn to follow Christ, Christ's blood is covering us. And when the Father looks down on us, He sees Christ's sacrifice. He sees Christ's work on our behalf. And that's the only approval that really matters. Right? We're all going to stand before God one day and, and we're all going to be judged in those who have Christ's blood, those who are in Christ, will experience eternity with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. will experience eternity that is a blessed life, way more abundant than what we could ever experience now. We will experience eternity in a perfect world. And not only will, do we have eternity to look forward to for those who are in Christ and who have the approval of the Father, but now, even now, we are the Father's children. I mean, think about that. No other religion claims that, that you would be th their God's children. But in Christ, we are adopted into the family of God. Amen. And we have the privileges that Christ has. We have the privileges of Jesus. 
We can go to the Father. We can petition the Father. We can know that the Father is never going to forsake us. We know that we have an inheritance that is never going to go away because of what Christ has done, because of the the acceptance that we have in Him. We could never earn this acceptance with the Father, but we are freely given it through Christ. If we constantly are, are seeking the approval of man, We'll never get those things. But we must be people who are Christ-pleasers. And so instead of seeking the ever-changing approval of man, what we need to do is we've got to rest in God's unchanging approval that is found in Christ alone. Amen. And that's the twofold antidote to people-pleasing. Right? We are to look to the example of others, not just those Uh, in God's Word, though certainly those in God's Word, but also to the example of others around us as we live in community with other people. And we must understand and we must remind ourselves of the reasons why we shouldn't be people-pleasers and why we should be Christ-pleasers. And so if you're struggling with people-pleasing, that's the antidote, right? And just so you know, this antidote is not a a one-time fix that you just, you know, you just take it and you're done. You've got to constantly... Remind yourself. You've heard me use the phrase of preaching the gospel to yourself. That's what we have to do. We've got to constantly preach the gospel to ourselves and remind ourselves of what Christ has done for us. Remind ourselves of the acceptance that we have in Christ. Remind ourselves of the message that we have been given. And we have to constantly, constantly preach that to ourselves. And so let's be a people, let's be a church who seeks to please Christ above all other things. Let's be Christ-pleasers instead of people-pleasers. And if you're a Christian here today, that's, that's exactly how you can respond. You can respond by seeking to be a Christ-pleaser rather than a people-pleaser. And you can do that by resting in Christ, by remembering what Christ has done for you. And if you're not a Christian here today, if you would admit that you're not a Christian, you can respond by, by believing in Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, and you can get out of the grind, out of the depression, out of just the, the need to seek to, to, to approve the, ever, the approval of the ever-changing world around you because that approval will go in an instant. It will be here one day and, and gone the next. But you can have everlasting approval. You can have that in Christ. And you can have the rest that that brings you if you believe in Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. And that's how you can respond today, both those who are believers and those who are non-believers. And so we're going to take a moment to respond. I'm going to pray, and Scott's going to come, and and we're going to sing. And and as we sing, think about these things. Respond in the way that, that God is calling you to respond to this message here today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you, Lord, for who you are. We thank you, God, for, for what you do for us, Lord. We, we thank you for giving us approval in Christ and not having to constantly seek that approval in man. We thank you for what Christ has done for us, Lord, and we ask that we would, we would rest in that today, that we would find our hope in that today. We wouldn't constantly run to the things of this world, but that we would run to you and you alone and that we would faithfully proclaim your message if we were believers. We would stand firm on the message of the gospel. And Lord, if there's someone here today, if there's someone watching online who's not 
a believer, Lord, we ask, God, that you might work in their life, that you might work in their heart, that you might help them to see that, that constantly seeking to please man is just a never-ending battle that will never end in rest or satisfaction, but that they can come to you and that they can find that rest in Christ and Christ alone. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.